0: Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic!
1: Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio NTS News Talk Sport. You're with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgeley. First edition news in a minute. And while the domestic season is done and dusted, football never sleeps. And with the competitions wrapping up all over the world, neither does an Australian football fan trying to cram in games in the wee small hours. So we'll do our best to cover as much as we can on the show tonight. To kick us off, we'll wrap up the Premier League with our mate Rob Tanner, Chief Football Writer for the Leicester Mercury, then Sean Mooney on his hard-hitting article this week in the Guardian, analysing the state of the A-League, talking about football and crisis. That is going to be an interesting conversation before we wrap up the opening hour of the show, starting our review of the A-League with our man, Dean Hennessy. In the second hour, as always, we'll kick off with second edition news. Then Mayor of Dandenong, Jim Mametti, talks us through the memorandum of understanding signed by him and two other South East Melbourne mayors on their push to enter the A-League. And Dean is going to return as we reach the final round of the EPL playoffs in the championship and a stack of other international news. And then we'll wrap it up with stoppage time. But, Edge, um, our big friend uh, Mark is... Uh, not with us this weekend, so
2: we've got. He's going the... down like a, a big tree in the forest. He's <laughs> fallen over. But we've got Dino in the studio to uh, hey, take. Hey, Dino. His...
3: Hello. How are we? At?
2: What a week of positives and negatives. The po- on the positive side. Mm. What about Aaron Moy and Huddersfield Town and their little mm-hmm. march through the playoffs? Uh, they've got a big date at Wembley against Reading. I know we're going to talk about that mm. in a lot of detail later. Mm. But what about the negatives? We can't uh, go w- without saying there's um, a couple of negatives. Mitch Nichols mm. and his cocaine uh, charge. Disappointing. Very, very disappointing because we don't like to see our sport caught up in that sort of stuff. Mm. But uh, that's uh, obviously got a bit to play out. And what about... Um, there's been a lot of criticism of players going to China, in particular... China. Our China. <laughs> if Mark was here, he would say China. Um, but there's been a lot of criticism of their big-name players, players that are in the real hunt for Socceroos selection, going to China mm. and not playing. What about these days they go to China and they don't get paid? So mm. Robbie Cruz and James Holland are out of there. Mm. Uh, they're free agents, according to the Australian Professional Footballers Association, the PFA, saying that they've not been paid... Uh, and and the club's been given an opportunity to remedy the situation and they how, are how out the door how does that work
1: guys when we hear you know multi million dollar contracts young players being lured over from the top flight around the world and uh, and players like these guys who are you know these are uh, I legitimate think professionals not getting uh, two
2: words that their managers need to probably burn into their brains mm. before any Australian player signs a contract with Bio the Chinese no no due diligence mm. uh, make sure you're going to get your money mm. and um And I'd say that uh, that hasn't been done properly because uh, Robbie Cruz's career is a very important thing for the Mm. Socceroos, not uh, not only in, in his own right, but uh, that's uh, you, you've got to have real question marks over what's going on over there. What do you reckon, Dean?
3: Look, I think you know when you sign a contract, when you, especially when you're fully, you know, professional, um, it should be honoured. And 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 really, if you look at again, it comes down to FIFA and the ruling body that's you know got to go to places like China and say, well, you need to get your act in order. You can't agree to terms with somebody and then not pay them. But we do know it happens. In certain parts of the world, and it's not—it's not very good, and it certainly doesn't help uh, our aspiring Australian players, where they're looking to not only mm. make a few quid and survive in the game, but also improve as in fo- you know, important footballers. And it does nothing for the
2: credibility scene. of one of the biggest countries in the world, does it? Well, no, it doesn't. And what about this? Back to Mitch Nichols for a moment, mm-hmm. the former soccer. He's, He's been capped five times, he's played with big clubs in the A-League And he was rumoured to be going to a European club mm. of, of note uh, And it was going to be a big transfer for, for him um, But he's been caught with uh, three little bags of cocaine uh, by the police Looked the footage that we've seen uh, going around on the networks and uh, social media Looks incredibly damning and incredibly disappointing mm. I can't really communicate to all of our listeners right around Australia how disappointing this is for our game to be caught up in it. And coming off the back
1: of the uh, you know, the crisis in the
2: NRL That's where they right. had three consecutive days,
1: you, you would have thought that, um, that if players were going to get involved in that sort of stuff that... Uh that they're a bit, bit more discreet. Now, that is by no means any justification for the behaviour. Uh, you know, players are, are you know, they're, they're, they're professional sports people and, uh, look, they, they can't
2: obviously get out and have a drink and get out on the lash. Dana, uh, you're a coach. Uh, you coach young men at, in, in a level of football that's just below the A-League. You've, mm-hmm. you've uh, been a production line for players uh, to go into the A-League. Um, what sort of um, discussion does your club have about drugs?
3: Well, look, it's it's always a difficult one because as much as you spend a lot of time with them, you know, obviously when you sign a play, you interview him and you try to get to know him and his family as best you can to get a really good understanding of what that individual is all about. What you don't know is you don't know what he does outside of that. You're not you're not going out with him, you know, because, you know, the age gap between, let's say, me and the players is quite far away. So I'm not out there week in, week out with the boys, seeing what they do. You're hoping that they are professional, budding young players that want to, you know, at the second tier of Australian football to drive to drive.
1: But to what the... do you say to them, Dino? I mean, what's what's the internal conversation?
3: Well, at again, I mean, look, some, some boys like a, a beer and... Um, Yeah,
2: but cocaine's not beer.
3: No, no, but I'm saying, again, if you're fully professional, and you're in season, you should be switched on to just saying, you know, this is the most important job in my life. At our level, we're not paid enough to do that, so they have outside interests. Mm. We don't follow it. We can't get close enough to it. You know, I'd say, look, are there a few players in my team that drink beer? They are. Or drink spirits? They do. Do they take drugs? I'd hope not, but I don't really, really know. Um, yeah. And there's most probably not enough checks at our level. Uh, certainly yeah. in the A-League there are. Mm. And this was just a random police check in a nightclub. And, and I think most probably for Mitch and anybody, let's say, who is in the A-League and at a high level, this is just around the corner. It's just like drink driving. You know, there's a booze bus just around the corner. So you have to be really, really careful. And, yeah, and you are public image. He, he is an international. He's won championships. And... All of a sudden, he might have had an unbelievable offer in Europe, and that might now be off the table. So it's we don't so know the, ex-
2: the extent of that. Uh, um, let's just have a look at some other news, just very quickly. Uh, the chance of a major free-to-air network uh, actually getting involved in the A-League next year is back on the table. Uh, there are reports that Channel Seven is looming as a late option for the federation to negotiate a deal, um, and the other one is obviously a joint. Fox Sports and ABC arrangement, which is hard to hard to, to understand how. Uh, that could be lucrative in a financial sense for the federation. More likely that it would be for Channel Seven, but good to see that that is uh, well and truly back at the table. Uh, that's the first bit of news I've heard uh, for some months that uh, a free-to-air in- a station is actually looking at uh, that uh, one night a week yeah. or one game a week. Yeah, and as O-League, we've
1: action. talked about, and many others in the industry have talked about it, it's, it's critical to get a you know a free-to-air network involved because you know as much as the ABC has got the reach, both uh, you know in the, the Cap cities and regionally, they don't have that commercial capacity to leverage the arrangements that clubs and the uh, the peak body make with commercial partners, and that's what the p- commercial partners want to do. They want to leverage the the money that they spend through commercial opportunities with the, the networks, and the only way to really get good value for that is through the free to airs uh, in association with uh, with the uh, the pay TV platforms. And then, you know, there's a pl- part to play for for the ABC, but uh, but not in the big dollar world of uh, no, unless agree. Malcolm Turnbull is going to make it. A announcement that we're unaware of and allow some advertising on the ABC. Speaking
2: of the Federation Rob, um, not only have they upset the A-League clubs, they've upset a prospective A-League club. The Southern Expansion bid. Mm. Les Murray and Craig Foster's uh, little environment. They actually actually put a bid in for a W League team next Mm. year and the FFA has told them that they will not be uh, successful, and uh, the Southern expansion CEO Chris Gardner had a fairly uh, terse uh, quote. He said frankly, we find it hard to understand the W league has a nine team competition the A-League, a league a ten team competition FFA says it wants to grow the women 's game, and the Southern expansion is a as a position to fund the team at all levels." and it meets the benchmark set by the PFA, interestingly enough, and a marquee player, mm. but the FFA won't even discuss uh, the matter.
1: Well, well, with respect to, to the bid, um, you, you can't just go one out, can you? you? You can't just say, well, just because you fit the criteria that you're involved. because you've got money. Yeah, that, um, well, I mean, there's been plenty of other organisations. Uh, you know, we're going to talk to Jim Mamedi in the second hour about Dandenong. Uh, we know Tasmania, we know Geelong, we know you know, any number of other bodies. Brisbane City have talked about it. So, so if everyone else was on the same plane, Field, they, they they could come up with the same offer so you, you can't just toss your hat in the ring and say you know put us in because you know we've asked you everyone's got to have an equal chance don't they do
3: they do i mean just talking about uh, women's football we had uh, the young matildas on uh, playing against one of our hume under 14 sides and i've got to say what an exciting i actually coached the under 14s because they're mm. uh, the coach was away in italy with his work and i was blown away at how good these matilda young girls were they really played really tough as well didn't shirk anything, played some really, really good football, unbelievably quick. And look, if that's the state of where women's football is at the lower end, especially with, you know, the W League growing each and every year. It's, it's a really big space for them.
2: As yeah. you know, Dino, I've got a family friend that I take a bit of interest in, who's the top goal scorer in the women's uh, NPL competition. Watched her
3: myself that Malina day. Melina is yes. She cool. scored Malina.
2: 15 goals, uh, leading the leading the charge. She's a, she's obviously played for the. Armin we are Tildes.
3: considering her in the window. Actually, yeah, the window should. is opening.
2: You're a big chance because she
3: she'd do all right for you. <laughs> she's played
2: with the boys a long time. No, I'm all serious. right, let's let's leave a few little <laughs> stories
1: for the second hour, boys, because there's plenty always going on. In G'day, oh Football. After the break, Rob Tanner from the Leicester Mercury, we love him on Box to Box. He's going to talk to us about the English Premier League as it wraps up this weekend. And he's a blue nose. Uh, he certainly is. That's coming up on Box
0: to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? Burkina Squarehouse. home of real brands and real savings, and storage gear. They're just around the corner. And this could be the
3: most crucial goal of
1: all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. Now, this time last year, we were talking to Rob Tanner from the Leicester Mercury about the five thousand to one Foxes completing a football miracle twelve months on, and fans of the Midlands club are just relieved they're staying up to talk to us about everything that's gone on in the season for Leicester, where normal service has resumed in the general English Premier League. Rob, great to have you back on the show, mate. Yeah, thanks to be back. So mate, before we get into the you know, the general season, which has been a ripper, it, what a roller coaster it's been for uh, for Leicester City after last year. You know, great hopes for, for the season. You know, it, it sort of worked out well in the end. Stayed up and had a had a great run in Europe.
4: Yeah, I think the Champions League has dominated everything for Leicester City this season. Uh, everybody knew that they wouldn't be able to replicate uh, their title success this season, but uh, I don't think anybody imagined they would have such uh, struggles early on in the season domestically. Uh, but it was all about the Champions League. I mean, I think they sacrificed uh, some performances and some results because they were saving themselves the Champions League ties. They, they took a few beatings going into some of their earlier group games, but uh, they won the group with a game to spare to, to, to go through. So it sort of uh, paid off for them. But then they realised that they were had been embroiled in a in a relegation dogfight and. Uh, those sort of performances and that run of poor form ultimately led to the demise of Claudio Ranieri. It's never dull around Leicester City no. and this season has been particularly eventful.
1: Yeah, and uh, and the sacking of Ranieri and, and the and the great work of uh, Craig Shakespeare um, after his departure, some argue that um, Ranieri almost uh, got hoisted on his own petard that you know he he dispensed with the uh, the system that worked so well last season too soon and uh, and perhaps he would have still been around if if he continued with that system rather than tinker around too much, as he so famously does.
4: I actually agree with that. I do. I I mean, it's the one question I get asked more than anything, is what happened with Ranieri? And there isn't just one factor. There was the conspiracy theories over here that uh, he was stabbed in the back by the players who went to the owners and said they'd had enough of him. That didn't happen. But there was certainly an element of the players switching off from the euphoria of last season. They'd never experienced anything like that. They were champions of... uh, of England and being held around the world as such. And the, I think it went to a few players' heads and uh, new big contracts as well. But also Claudio wanted to evolve the team and he'd lost N'Golo Kante. He was mm. key to how they played last season. And he spent the first half of the season chopping and changing, trying to find a, a solution. And in that time, the players also started to lose a bit of confidence and belief in what they were being asked to do. I remember an away game at Southampton at one stage where he took off Robert Hoof in the second half and uh, having tried a three centre-back system which he had never employed at all in the previous campaign and even Christian Fuchs and Wes Morgan were turning to each other on the pitch with their arms out going, well what are we supposed to be doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot of confusion and I think he marginalised as well Shakespeare who was key to him the first season, he was the conduit to the players when he first came into the club and uh, but he sort of started to take over himself on the training ground and change training. Sessions at the last second. So there was a, there was a number of factors that all came into to cause the problem in the first place. And but uh, it's, the easiest solution in football is always to get rid of the man at the top it's uh, easier to do than get rid of the players.
2: Speaking of Ingo Kante, um, he, what's your assessment of his season at Chelsea and and the important role that he's had in uh, assisting them to win the win the title?
4: Oh, I think it just goes to show, doesn't it, back to back titles. Not many players mm-hmm. do that with different clubs and. Uh, it just goes to show his importance. I mean, we love the flair players, the match winners, but a core of every good side is, you know, strong defence and a, a player like him in midfield that can break uh, opposition attacks up and give you that solidity. But he can also play as well, Kante. He, he's seen as a very athletic, destructive player, but he's also got ability on the ball. And uh, I think he's, he, he's the like of him I've never seen before live. If you're watching him week, out, week in, week out, he's like a machine. The way he gets around the pitch and uh, the way he wins the ball back, it's, um, it is remarkable.
2: Well, it's not an underestim- we're not under- underestimating anything when we say he's worth two men because mm-hmm. he just gets to so many contests. But what about Chelsea? How did you have them uh, placed at the start of the season, Rob? And um, are you surprised at uh, their dominance throughout the season?
4: Uh, I have been, to, to be honest. Um, what, obviously, we knew that all the big clubs were going to be making changes in the summer, and they certainly did. I mean, United bring in Mourinho and spending £80 million on Pogba and Conte coming in at Chelsea and Guardiola coming at Man City. And I thought Guardiola's record and the impact he's had at all the clubs he's been previously, I thought he would turn around a very promising Man City squad and turn them into champions. But it's been Conte that's had that magic touch at Chelsea. It looked a bit like he was going to take him a bit of time to settle to start with. Uh, he wasn't quite sure which system he was going to employ, but... Once you settled into that uh, back three, that 3-4-3 system, um, they just took off and they've been the most consistent team. And that is the key to winning titles, consistency, being able to grind out victories when you're not at your best and just keep marching on.
3: Just to touch back uh, with uh, Craig Shakespeare, um, you know, in the press just recently, it's not confirmed he has got the job. Uh, what's what's the inside uh, from your point of view, Rob, where uh, you believe he will get a contract and, and expect how many, many years potentially, plus potential players and targets he might want to look at? Well,
4: we had the press conference for the Spurs game yesterday and he, he said that it would all come to a conclusion very soon and he seemed very relaxed about it. We're expecting him to be announced as the manager the Start of next week after the Bournemouth game when the season's wrapped up, um, he's, he's, he couldn't have done any more than he's done. He's had a great response from the players, they've played for him. And uh, you know, it's Leicester City have reached a, um, a crossroads, really. If they stick with the Shakespeare path, you know, it's going to be an evolution of this squad. It's going to have a similar identity. I imagine he'll go and try and recruit more British type players as well to keep that core and that team spirit. If they've gone the other direction and tried to bring in um, uh, overseas manager, a high-profile manager, which has been muted on many occasions. You would imagine that would have been the end of Shakespeare and the, a lot of quite a few of the players. And Leicester City would have had to start from scratch again, I think. But um, but I, I expect now, after picking up, t- so far to date, 22 points from uh, 11 games, which is a great return, mm. and guiding them away from the relegation zone, uh, possibly, potentially, an eighth-place finish. I think Shakespeare's done enough to, to, to earn the job. Uh, you will probably get a two- or three-year contract on the back of that, but not many managers last two or three years these <laughs> days.
1: <laughs> exactly. Just ask Claudio. This is Box to Box on NTS yeah. News Talk Sport. We're talking to the Chief Football Writer of the Leicester Mercury, Rob Tanner. Now, Rob, uh, so we've talked about Chelsea. We've talked about the uh, incumbent champions, uh, your club, Leicester. Now, disappointments and uh, and success stories of, of the, the Premier League this year. Uh, give us a couple of clubs on uh, each of those sides of the fence.
4: Well... I think up until about 10 or 11 games ago, you would have said West Bromwich Albion were a big success story. Mm-hmm. Um, they were marching high in the uh, top half of the table, uh, and although the fans have never really taken to Tony Pulis's style of football at the Hawthorns, so, you know they they hark back to the, the, that great side of the late 70s and the 80s with the three degrees and the football they played for those days. Um, it's been effective, but in the past 10, 10 or so games, they've they've got a dreadful record. They've, since they got past that forty-point mark, mm. which is their uh, survival, it's almost as if they decided that was it. They were, uh, they, yeah, they, their job was done, and yeah. uh, so I, I think Spurs have got to look at it as another success story this season. They've uh, they've been just outplayed by a, a Chelsea, a very strong Chelsea side, but they've still played some great stuff. We've loved watching them play. The question now for Spurs is what's going to happen in the future. There's a lot of question marks about yeah. some of their players, like Eric uh, Dyer and Carl Walker. Yeah. Danny Rose, are they going to be picked off now by the clubs that can offer more money because they've got a weight structure at Tottenham and uh, you know some clubs can offer them double what they're being earned at the moment.
1: And this era will be disappointing if they don't come up with a title uh, at some point in the next year or two You know, coming off the back of two uh, runners-up positions.
4: You know, this is a big debate. I mean, who's had the better season? Spurs or United? United and Silverware mm. can look back and say they've won something but um, mm. just qualifying for Champions League football uh, yeah, it's great for the club financially, but it's, you know, is, is that something they can really look back on?
2: Rob, what about uh, the running to the, 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 the last spots that are available for the, uh, the, the Champions League? I mean, Arsenal uh, really needs to get a major upset to, uh, to get them up into fourth spot, don't
4: they? Yes, they do. I mean, you can't imagine uh, Liverpool slipping up against a pretty dour and um, ineffective Middlesbrough side. They just can't score goals and Arsenal are expecting favours or hoping for favours and I can't see them getting any to be fair. I've said for a while I thought the top four will be the four that will qualify. Um, Liverpool have had their ups and downs. Like, a bit like Man City, they've got a defensive soft underbelly, which occasionally gets exposed, but uh, on their day they can play some great attacking football. Uh, it's quite enjoyable to watch, but um, you know, they, they just leave too many points out on the pitch.
2: What about, uh, I mean, there's always talk about Wenger and whether his time is up and there's, you know, there's high-profile Arsenal fans all over the world with media platforms that are continually uh, attacking him. Um, what's your view of where he's at and what the club might and, and what the club should do?
4: Well, I know what the fans want to do. I think the vast majority of fans want to say, thank you, you're a legend, but uh, it's time to move on. They want to see Arsenal evol- evolving. They want a new direction to the side. So I know the fans want him out, um whether uh, I mean it, you only have to turn the telly on, it doesn't matter what sporting event you're watching. There's always somebody in the crowd holding up a uh, Wenger Venger out, out yeah. I turn, yeah, I saw a wrestling show the other week where there was a Wenger out show. That was in, Ameri- that was in America. So um, I don't know. It's, um, I think um, I think they, they, uh, the club and, and Wenger have got to sit down. He's out of contract and just uh, look to the future. My personal feeling would be, I think it's time for him to go. I think Arsenal needs uh, some new guidance. Uh, there's some suggestion that he might be moved up upstairs as a technical director, whether he'd be happy with that. I don't know, but he's done a phenomenal job in English football. He, more than anybody, I thought at the time he came come in, um, changed the direction of English football with some of his uh, approaches in terms of sports science and and uh, and tactical preparation. And uh, Every club has copied that since. And that's probably the re- problem, really. He's probably been left behind now because that, those innovations that he brought into the Premier League from the continent Everybody's adopted them now and and and, we're all on a level playing field again. So um, it may be the end of the road for us.
3: Talking of evolving, Rob, um, obviously Newcastle United uh, had a successful season, as as have Brighton. And obviously we now know that uh, it's going to be a very interesting playoff final. What's your views on the, the... the two clubs that I mentioned first, plus the potential of the either one of, um, obviously, Huddersfield Town and uh, Reading getting through.
4: Well, Newcastle are a massive club, absolutely huge club in terms of their fan base. Uh, it's, they're fanatical up there, and sometimes that's their detriment. There's so much pressure on the players up there to perform and please the, uh, the Toon army. Uh, I just hope they're realistic when they come in. They've got to establish themselves again, just because they're Newcastle coming back in the Premier League. The the fans don't uh, automatically think they'll be pushing for European places and things like that. They've got to to reassess themselves and re-establish themselves back in there. That squad will definitely need um, improving. Uh, But they've got the resources. They're still on ease about the ownership of the club, but they've got Rafa Benitez in charge and uh, he's a very experienced and successful manager. I think they've got a great chance of uh, of sorting their their problems out now and re-establishing themselves. Brighton... Very exciting attacking side, remind me a little bit of Leicester when they first went up mm. got great team spirit and camaraderie about them and uh, uh if they can score enough goals and they've got to, that's the key when championship sides come up into the premier league you know play, strikers that can score twenty twenty five goals in a championship you know if they can reach ten in the premier League you know sometimes that's their limit um so they've got to recruit wisely now um during this summer it's a big big summer for them, otherwise you know they'll suffer the a similar fate to um, Middlesbrough and Hull this season, I feel. After the playoff final, looking forward to that one. My chip beforehand mm. was Reading. Um, They've played some great football. Uh, they concede a few goals as well, which always makes it exciting to watch. And uh, but I just thought he was very, very apt. Uh, somebody who's worked. The Leicester patch for a while that it was Jan Kermigan that scored the uh, penalty that put them mm. into the final because we all know Leicester, it was his chipped dust penalty in Cardiff <laughs> in, in 2010 that cost Leicester City a place in the playoff final and he was bombed out of the club after that and he's become a notorious figure, dark figure to the Leicester fans ever since. So uh, just goes to show, you know, swings around about. Yeah, And the changing fortunes of football, that's Jan Kermigan is the penalty hero now for Reading.
1: Yeah, we were very pleased to see our boy Aaron Moy uh, step up and uh, complete his penalty with uh, ice running through his veins in that, uh, that nail-biter as well, mate. So hopefully, um, Aaron, yeah. what's going to happen with him? Will, uh, will City take him back or uh, will he get to play for Huddersfield Town in the top flight if they get through?
4: I, I hope they are him where he is, give him another year. He's got to play. These young lads that are coming through have to play. I mean, we've seen it at Leicester with a lad called Harvey Barnes, a um, very young player but very promising, uh, son of Paul Barnes. who's played for Burnley and Birmingham City, and he's an attacking midfield player. And we saw him in the under-23s, and he made his debut in the Champions League of Porto. And he's looked very, very good. But then he went out and loan to the MK Dons, and he was playing regular football with senior pros with men, not boys, and he's come back a different player. He's mm. developed, he's grown, He's, he's and they would, if they would have liked to have played him in these last two Premier League games to give him some experience, but he's ineligible because of the loan system. But these young players have got to go out and get experience, and so I hope this lad gets his...
1: Thank you, Rob. And look, Rob, we're always grateful, mate, for you coming on the show. You, you give us plenty of time, mate, and uh, and your observations are always brilliant, mate. Right? So uh, thanks again for a wonderful season, and we'll watch out for the Foxes next year, and hopefully uh, they uh, they excite us again with a, with a, n- another run and, uh, and a lot more excitement.
4: Thank you very much for having me on.
1: No worries, mate. After the break, stick around. The Guardian's Sean Mooney about his article this week, Is the FFA in Crisis? We'll find out next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Canyon! The Chemist Warehouse.
0: Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This
1: is Box to Box, of course, and we know Sean Mooney for many things, including co-authoring A-League, the inside story of the first 10 years of the domestic competition with John Stensholt. Then this week he wrote an article in The Guardian which suggested that civil war is about to break out between the clubs and the FFA heavy stuff indeed. Welcome to the show, Sean.
5: Thank you for having me
1: on. Now you encouraged us to call uh, your co-author John Stensholt the the king of the podcast. So, mate, are you the crown prince. Is uh, is that your, Monica? <laughs> <laughs> I'm
5: a long way
1: off. So to to do. <laughs> now, mate, um, look, you, you didn't miss in that article you wrote, um, but. Um, you, you you seem to be sharing the thoughts of uh, of a lot of people who are, are really concerned. And uh, you know, as you opened up in your article, you said that despite a dream grand final delivered drama aplenty, the A League is about to enter into another tumultuous off season as club owners fight to wrest control of the competition away from the FFA. Now that that's a big line to open in the article. Um, how how much? Uh, um, is behind how much truth is behind that statement mate, that, that you know club owners you know intending to wrest control away from the, the, the peak body
5: uh, if you have a look at leading up to the broadcast deal actually uh, uh, being announced uh, the club owners were, were pretty definitive in saying that they wanted six million um, to cover the cost of just operating the club also within their wages. W-League, NPL programs, etc. Uh, and they've set that throughout. Now, leading up into the week of the grand, grand final, uh, for some strange reason, FFA decided to meet with the owners uh, and they they offered them their cash disbursements for next season. And that cash disbursement fell well short of 3.25 mil. So the club uh, staged a walkout. Uh, pretty dramatic one. And uh, from there, and basically said to us, you know, we need a better, you need to come a bit higher on that figure. Mm. And as many people are well aware, there's been some discussions around the governance of the game in Australia.
1: Sure. And is. really,
5: it's, it really is a bit of a sideshow. The club's really not overly concerned about the governance, they want ownership. That's really what they want. They want ownership of the league.
2: Sean, um It's a really interesting, it's a bit of a precipice at the moment, isn't it? Because there is a a lack of information in the public domain, but we know behind the scenes there is a flurry of dialogue and um, there's sort of some subgroups. Obviously, the ALE clubs have uh, their own interests uh, at the forefront of their mind, in particular, the amount of money they've invested versus the return they get. And we all know that uh, the ALE clubs have carried the can for quite a while in funding that the game at the elite level but there is a second group of interested stakeholders uh, which is emerging the emerging bidders of um, A league licenses and you know there's a plethora of those now and some of them look r- quite uh, real and vibrant and uh, very interesting uh, and we also have then the the traditional grassroots stakeholders in the game who think that uh, that they should be given an opportunity to um, you know and the sort of the, the elite end of that group that the South Melbournes of the world uh, are saying that, that that they should be given an opportunity So um, there is a lot of people with a lot of um, interest and uh, and potential money that could be tapped into the game. Can the FFA actually steer a path through all of these interests and get to a model that satisfies everybody or will this civil war just go on and on and on?
5: Stephen Stephen Lowy believes he can. Uh, We'll just have to see whether or not he has the political noun of his father, um, Frank, uh, really. Uh, Look, there's also another group within that, that's the state federations, uh, and primarily there are two that are pushing for reform, which is uh, Football New South Wales and uh, Football Federation Victoria, who between them make up two-thirds of the participants within uh, within football at grassroots level, Uh, and obviously are very powerful players. So there's, in amongst all these subgroups, uh, I think there's also, uh, what's not known is, there's also probably a a lack of uh, coordination amongst those subgroups even. Uh, Obviously, the other one is also PFA. Uh, The the players' union, they're also pushing for reform as well. Uh, So across that, uh, I don't think the clubs in particular, with their Group the A league clubs, have worked enough with the state feds. That they're sort of where they could have probably found a, a possible alignment with the two the two larger state feds, and uh, and 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 obviously with the players' union uh, as well. Obviously, wanting a greater say. Like, what whatever happens is is that everyone basically wants more money. We've got more money in the game than we ever have. Uh, especially with this new TV deal coming through. And the game has already always been sort of, you know, starved of money. Uh, but as this is all coming up, basically this is all really comes down to the, the state federations want to um, have money trickle down into their grassroots. Uh, the NPL clubs uh, who have been sort of bankrolling development uh, to a degree uh, believe that they should have trickled down money come to them. And the A-League clubs who have lost more than $250 million, um, over the course of the the life of the A-League believe that they should get a greater say. And then you've got the players who say, well, we have uh, you know, been participants in growing the sport and so forth, and we should have a share of the, of the pie. So out of all the politics, really, it all comes down to money.
1: <laughs> as it always does, mate. Uh, yeah. As uh, one of our uh, host broadcasters on 3AW says, when they say it's not about the money, it's about the money. This is box <laughs> the box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to the Guardian's Sean Mooney now, mate. Let's uh, fast forward to this civil war and uh, and let's say the clubs rest control. What would what would a potential future look like? And and what would the uh, the FFA's involvement be in in football? Would it be just to to look after the national teams and um, and other areas of grassroots? Uh, how how would you see it playing out if that were to happen? Uh,
5: I don't think. Uh, Stephen Lowy will give the full keys of the kingdom the A League. Uh, he will give part control. Uh, that's the way it's sort of playing out at the moment. And He's already said that publicly uh, that he'll look at sort of a, a co-ownership um, of the A League. Uh, and also they can't really do it anyway. If if it is true that the A League is that 70 to 80 percent of generating revenue for FFA, if you were to take that out, well then FFA is left with 20 to 30 million dollars. Mm. Um, you can't run a national team program. You can't run everything that it wants to do on that. So there, there is there is that. Obviously, again, it comes back to the money side of things. Is there is that concern from their end. Uh, so with with the clubs, will be they will the clubs obviously want full ownership. They want to run the league themselves. They feel that they can do a better job. But even when you sort of ask around, uh, the question that was sort of asked is is how we get the league to grow in terms of its capital base and also its revenue. And from both sides, I really can't see a massive upswing in growth. Um, even from FFA hiring consultants like Boston Consulting Group to have a look at the financials and then trying to get this up, massive upswing with the broadcast deal, which never really come through. Mm-hmm. Uh, along with the club saying, well, we're successful businessmen in our own right, we know what to do, et cetera, et cetera. But, and then some of the things that they said, I don't really see a massive upswing. It's, it's, it's going to be continual, gradual growth in, in the top line.
2: What about the dynamic, um, you know, um, the, Some people call it nepotism. I mean, that's uh, probably what it was, uh, from Frank Lowy handing down the mantle to his son, Stephen. But they are very different people. Frank, a very um, entrepreneurial, um, visionary type of leader. And Stephen, uh, as you detail in your article, seems to be extremely bureaucratic and and very thorough on his analysis. But um, the the one thing that is clear at the moment is Stephen is not able, it, it appears this way anyway, that Stephen's not able to control uh, the masses that are that are baying for his uh, for a part of his pie. Um, what's your opinion on on the two styles and and the vacuum that Frank has left and whether Stephen's able to uh, to step into it fully?
5: Well, like any time a dictator uh, stands down or is toppled <laughs> or whatever, uh, therefore there's always a leadership vacuum. Uh, so unless that person is also a dictator, uh, you know, a dictator himself, which Stephen is clearly not, he's a bit more of a consensus type person. So, I probably look at, uh, Stephen Lowy's leadership, and I, I, sort of put it like Kevin Rudd when he was Prime Minister, uh, bogged down in bureaucratic, very analysis by paralysis type mm. approach, um, and, and it's sort of, and, and... You're not filling me with uh, much
2: joy here, Sean. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Well, everyone's got their own style. Um, whether one's right or another, I, you know, it, it all really comes down to the outcome in the end of the day. Uh, when when he was uh, appointed, the the club's views were mixed. Now, uh, uh, the, the the consensus, well, not the consensus, but there was a view there that. Let's see how he goes. He's a successful businessman in his own right. Uh, he has been very instrumental in more than tripling the uh, capital base of Westfield. Uh, let's see how he goes. And, they've, and in all fairness, they, the clubs are quite disappointed.
1: Hey, Sean, thank you so much for coming on the show, mate. We could really continue this conversation for a lot longer, but we have to wrap it up now, mate. But um, we'll watch this space, and next time there is some more to talk on, we'll, we'll have you back on the show and we'll, we'll flash it out in a little bit more detail.
5: No, thank you for having me
1: on. Well done, Sean. Thank you. Next up, Dino. He's back in and we're going to review. We're going to begin our review of the A-League season. That's all next on Box to Box.
0: Box to Box. Can you believe it? The chemist warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And storage gear They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal
1: this is Box to Box on NTS News talk Spot on digital radio on the World Wide Web, streaming through any app you like or the podcast on boxtoboxnts.com.au. It's been a busy first hour and our man, the former Notts County man, 250-game veteran of the Victorian Premier League, Hume City coach, our very own Dino, he's been with us throughout the hour in the absence of the big man, Mark Van Aken. Now we're going to start our, our season review with the ins and outs and then next week we're going to go through club-to-club each week from the bottom of the ladder to the top. Yeah, and I don't... think
3: if we can, you know, and we'll do our very best to, you know, we've got good contacts at all the clubs to get mm. somebody representing, whether it's a player mm-hmm. or a coach, just to join that little mm-hmm. segment because mm-hmm. obviously they're on the inside and I guess we're on the outside mm-hmm. and we'll get all the little one percenters and, and what might be available if they want to tell us.
2: Right. let's let's Why don't we go from the top and start with Adelaide United. At this stage um, of the season, we've got uh, Paul Izzo, Looks like he's joined the club from the Mariners, but there's a few outs. And they and these outs, uh, I think uh, every now and again, uh, one of them might need to go to uh, Storage King because uh, <laughs> <laughs> they'll need to put their gear in the box because they might not be uh, required uh, in a full time professional outfit. Yeah. Uh, look, one of those players is George Mills.
3: Well, we had George on, didn't we?
2: We did uh, have George, but uh, he didn't deliver. Did he?
3: No, he didn't. No, he's gone. Well, again, it's not so much did he deliver, did he get an opportunity to deliver? Maybe he had his chances, didn't take them, and that mm. happens. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean the Dylan McGowan uh, move. That was that's interesting.
2: That is interesting. Yeah. And then, I've got to say, I mean, I know a lot about football. Been in it all my life, working mm. in it.
3: But I don't know who Pacos Ferreira. I've got is. no idea where he's going. <laughs> Pacos Ferreira
2: sounds like somewhere in so, Europe, and it might be by a beach. Sounds like sounds a
3: like decent chocolate
2: wrapped well, in I was, thinking, I, head, was I, th- I
3: was thinking aftershave.
2: But they have got some work to do because off contract is Karuska, Elsie Galekovich, there's big rumours about him not uh, yes, where course. he's going to go obviously John Hall La well, Rocca
3: I, I think Izzo Cummins Macarunas. be a reason for Farino,
2: that yeah Um and uh, Kim Joo-ung and uh, Hang on, Ali he he North Korea. he does yeah Kim I think song.
3: the one that sticks out for me like Jesse Macarunas, like he was at Victory in and of, out there yeah. and thereabouts then off to Adelaide there and thereabouts it, it doesn't and seem to need like, a coach. Need, yeah, well, obviously they need a coach. So. so they've
2: got more trouble than the early settlers just quietly Adelaide. A lot of work to do. And they must,
3: for me, get a coach sooner rather than later because mm. time will, as much as we're like only just started, it moves really, really quickly.
2: And the marquees, are both look like they're out the door, Eugene Golikovic and uh, Marcelo Karuska.
3: Yeah, who are both off fly. contract, aren't mm. they? So, so yeah. Adelaide,
2: look, and I think that's the big criticism of Adelaide. Uh, I know we'll go into it uh, probably next week because they were – uh, cellar dwellers but um, the um, the big one for me was that they they just haven't got their heads around uh, list management at all this No, time.
3: they didn't recruit at and all. It we hurt noticed them that. This year. Yeah, well, they went from champions to all of a sudden then they couldn't they couldn't take a trick.
2: Okay, Brisbane Roar, there's some big outs here. Thomas Broach, I mean. Who knows what's going to happen with him? There is some stories about Central Coast Mariners. I maybe. think he's
3: I think he's still got something to offer a yeah, team. Yeah, me too.
2: Me too. Uh, the, the big ones, though, are Brandon Barillo and Jamie McLaren, who uh, it's been reported that both of them off to FC Kaiserslautern. That great stadium where we stitched up Japan mm-hmm. in 2006. <laughs> you can see the smile come to my face. How good was that, Rob?
1: Ah, oh, Well, we were very lucky because <laughs> we we do remember that night, and if you watch the replay, that uh, the Japanese could have had a penalty uh <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> but that didn't happen and it doesn't
2: matter and uh, look I think Timmy Cahill I think, I think the brand John L. O. Man, John, fantastic
3: I man. think the cows are a slight uh, opportunity I mean Jamie I, if you, you listen to uh, the pundits and that and and I do know his, uh, his agent quite well, and he doesn't really tell too many poor kids, but he, they reckon they had at too least a, a 80 to 100 offers, or, or at least inquiries.
2: So what do you think, reading between the lines, if he goes to... And it's only been reported that he's off to Kaiserslautern but uh, the German press are being pretty hot onto it. Um, good move? He
3: has to, Well, I, I hope it is. I mean, I'm close to Jamie Bundesliga and his family, too. but I think it's important for if, if both of them go, both Brandon and Jamie, that they play. You know, and it's, we know how tough it is in Europe. It's We've always to hard to get his. in there. So, yeah, look, good luck to them. If it's, it's the right move and he starts scoring goals, well, then it's the, uh, open to Europe.
2: The good news about Brisbane Roy is their coach, John Aloisi has retained his position. And, in fact, he's going on for a couple of more years. As is three, his brother, as well. As his brother. And the Marquise Brett Holman and Tommy Orr, are still there. But it'll be interesting to see what they do. Because uh, Michael Theo is off contract. Goalkeeper will be interesting there. They actually might go with the uh, 60 Stitch Man. <laughs> Just put him, Jamie Young, put him in goals. Yeah,
3: put Jamie in.
2: Uh, what about, okay, let's go on now to uh, the next one that we're going to talk about, which is Central Coast Mariners. They've um, uh, Paul Izzo to Adelaide, Roy O'Donovan to Newcastle. You never lost that. Uh, Fabio Ferreira, Ferre, he's out, to, out of the country altogether. nateski has been released. Nick Montgomery has retired after a fantastic career. So they've got some outs um, and they've got uh, a coach in Paul Ocon who probably wants to sign uh, a significant amount of players, I'd imagine.
3: Look, credit to, to Paul. Um, he went in at a hard time where there was a lot of unrest and... I know we had him on the show pretty early in his tenure, but um, I think they tried to play football. I think they tried to get it out there, and at times they played some really good stuff and took some really big, you know, teams to right to the to the very end. They do need some improvement, though. It's like anything; when you finish towards the bottom, you've got to kick on to another thing. So I'm sure he'll be very, very busy in the uh, in the transfer market.
1: Now, Dino, before we wrap up this uh, little segment of ours, I want to have a bit of a chat about our friends at Chemist Warehouse because it is mayhem at Chemist Warehouse. It's May at its mayhem. So stock up and save with big brand fish oil vitamins because they're half price at the Chemist Warehouse mayhem sale. Fish oil's good good gear too. It's fantastic stuff. I use the... uh, the uh, the Swiss um, wild krill oil, and I reckon it's really helped my uh, my knee with the cartilage uh, sort of in a pretty wobbly state. I'm back <laughs> running again. Fish oil, because it's a natural source of omega-3. It helps in the maintenance of a healthy nervous system, brain and function, and mild arthritis. <laughs> and they're all half price. Big brands like <laughs> Blackmore's. It's correct. Swiss Long Wagner, up. named after the uh, Huddersfield coach. Nature's own Caruso's and more at half-price. The Chemist Warehouse Mayhem catalog sale is huge. Stock up and save with big brand fish oil vitamins in May at the Mayhem sale because the lowest prices are always guaranteed. Boys,
2: absolutely. Hey, um, we're almost there. But uh, just before we go, Melbourne City. If there's one club that is organised with its list management, it's Melbourne City, and they've already announced that uh, Corey Gramero, uh, Steve Kuzmowski, Josh Rose, uh, Colzaro, and Thomas Sorensen are all out the door.
3: And just to finish quickly, the uh, round seven of the FFA Cup. Uh, Hume City, at my boys, against Moreland City on Tuesday. Bentley Greens against Green Gully. South Melbourne against Dandenong City and Northcote against Heidelberg.
1: Thanks for that, Dino. Stick around, because after the break, Dandenong Mayor Jim Mamedi he's going to join us to talk to you about the South East Melbourne A-League push. And, of course, Dean's going to return with everything else going on in the international game. That's all coming up next on Box to Box.
0: Now. This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic!
1: Welcome back to Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio streaming. On the world wide web, and of course you might be listening to the podcast on boxtoboxnts.com.au. Second edition news shortly. Then we're going to chat to Dandy Dung Mayor Jim Mamedi, about the South East Melbourne A League push, and of course Dino, he's with us right in the studio now, but he's going to stay around and get through all the international news as we, and then we'll wrap it up with stoppage time as we always do. Ed, you kept a few good stories uh, for second edition news in the absence of our big friendly fellow Mark Van Aken, who's yeah, not the, with us tonight.
2: The big bear is at home uh, trying to get over a, a virus. As I understand it So we hope uh, he's doing better uh, Than he has been today But uh, Dino uh, Let's talk about Aaron Moy In Huddersfield Town Which would be a remarkable story If if they secure... Uh, promotion to the premiership, but um, uh, those people that have uh, Fox Sports that have been complaining that the Premier League on been on Optus, I mean Dino and I and, and I know... Oh mate, absolutely. We've been recording we're, it on Series Link. Yeah, we've been doing the Optus thing as well, but uh, it was great to go back to the uh, BN Sport and Foxtel mm. because mm. I've watched the games and Aaron Moy has been playing very, very well. Their home leg that Huddersfield Town played against Sheffield Wednesday mm. was a nil or a draw. It could have been a couple of goals each way, but but the one thing I did notice is Aaron Moy, he runs the show for Huddersfield Town. He absolutely bosses it, and he and he did in both games, and he and he rightly deserves the title as the Huddersfield Towns play of the year.
3: Well, without doubt. I mean, uh, Guardiola were, apparently was at the game as well, and said that basically he did run the show for Huddersfield. Uh, he was doing that in the A League, you know, when, whether it was at Western Sydney or at Melbourne what City. What I
2: noticed, no, Dino, uh, at Huddersfield he plays a lot deeper. Um, closer to defense than what he did he doesn't uh, wander forward uh, in attacking throws as much as he did at Melbourne City they've really got him in that uh, that de- defensive midfield role haven't they and, i have and, a
3: theory on that and, and i
2: actually like it because i don't think he's blessed with absolute speed i know he's got an engine that he can go all day but but i actually like him in that role and his and his passing's crucial
3: I have a little bit of a theory. We know the Championship's one of my favourite leagues because it's pretty well Well, at it from row to go. But the thing is, uh, traditionally in the lower leagues, there's a lot of long balls. So if you do play defensive midfield, you don't see it. It's just sailing over your head and you're looking for the second ball. Well, I think with what Wagner's done with him is, is, well, he can play, he's comfortable receiving it from the back four, and it gives Huddersfield the ability to play out comfortably and in control, and I think if he was higher up, and maybe his teammates in that same position can't do the same job, so it just suits what Wagner wants and what Huddersfield Town wants.
1: And speaking of Wagner, though, what a great job he's done. He's a great mate of Jurgen Klopp, and uh, as he said, he predicted before the game, if it goes to penalties, we'll be confident, because we've got so many Germans in the team, and uh, a Played out exactly that way. He put two Germans up for the first two and they were uh, He acts cool a little as bit as like said.
3: Jürgen. If you see some of his mannerisms, he had a mm. little uh, he had a little, a little, little uh, go with uh, the Leeds uh, United manager when they celebrated a very late goal and that got a bit tasty. But, mm. you know, I don't think he did it on purpose, but he was encroaching in an area he shouldn't. So <laughs> I think he sells a little bit like Jürgen does, a little bit close mm. to the win. But uh, I think they're great characters.
2: Well, but they're up against Reading in the playoff scene. And... Uh, which is going to be a huge match. Well, that's uh, our
3: friend uh, Paul Harris lookalike Yap Stam. That's Absolute right, Yap Stam. Absolute ringer is Yap yes. to our <laughs> Paul Harris. Um,
2: so what do you? Uh, they're, they're not going to be pushover, already, And they've had a really good season. They have had a really, really tight season, uh, tough season, and uh, they've done well. So it'll be a, a, a one-off game, as we know. Anything's possible. And your mob derby last year, uh, you know, they uh, threw it away, didn't they?
3: Look, we've done it a few times but i think in gary Rowett, uh i think we've uh, we've got something for the future to build on now and i see he's been quite aggressive uh, in the press but look from a reading point of view and certainly for yapstam in his first year he's done awfully well and look you know finals are finals it's uh there's a lot to play for and the and the return is like in excess of 100 million so there's a lot at stake and uh Hopefully the best team winning. I think with Aaron Moy being Australian, I think we'll all be mm-hmm. just going on the Huddersfield side for this one. We need
1: a player in the Premier League. We
3: do. We do. And, and a good player. And he could, he could stand it in there. He could go he in could. there. And,
2: well, uh, let's, let's go to another news item that I know that is uh, close to the heart of Rob Gilbert because SCG Trust Chairman Tony Shepherd, mm. who's also the Greater Western Sydney AFL Chairman, he's one of those shakers and movers we like to talk about who sort of bosses everything. He's basically said... Uh, we're going to resurface the Sydney Football Stadium. <laughs> that is wonderful news. And that is wonderful news. And I think that's the third time in six years that it'll happen, but um, it needs to happen. Mm. It needs to happen. And uh, having said that, um, despite all the uh, bluff and bluster around the pitch, Sydney FC during the week has just announced they're going to sign up for another 10 years as Allianz is at home stadium. And well played to Sydney FC. If you have a look, those track watchers who get on social media... They did a wonderful job of launching their new logo, mm. which is a really I good saw improvement. That. Yeah, it was very good. looks very, very good, Rob. Yeah, so, yeah. well done to all the no, uh, no, people upstairs. Hat, hats FC. off to the
1: SCG Trust, um, Tony Shepard. Uh, I mean, look, they've got um, a number of examples around the country that uh, they don't want to go down the path of, and there's a few really good ones. Uh, Amy Park in Melbourne, in particular, is a very good example of a stadium that's very well curated. It's had its own problems with rugby union, but they fixed them up, and uh, and the, it, it's a ground that, that, that probably doesn't get as much tra- traffic as the Sydney football stadium, Allianz Stadium, but um, but it certainly has NRL, it has, uh, it has super rugby and it has two games of A-League every single week and uh, and, and plenty of entertainment there as well. So there's no reason why, um, with the technology available today, that um, that the uh, SFS should not be uh, you know, one of the top stadiums in this
3: country. Of course, and, and interesting in line with this, it's just interesting that Sydney's had the season they've had, they're looking at long-term basis, mm, mm. keeping the manager, re-signing the vast majority of their playing staff Mm. and there just seems a lot of stability there where Mm. for many years you know they've always been there and thereabouts but you've never quite known what's the direction on the long term Mm. and I think now you can see You know, there was Scott Barlow at the head and obviously Arnie from Mm. the management with all of his staff Mm. and the playing group themselves. I think they're in the right direction. And
1: Ed, speaking of the uh, Sky Blues, uh, what's this story about um, bringing the bling back to uh, Moore Park, mate? Well, uh, they could, yeah, that's right.
2: Uh, Having, Don Bossy, who's been on our program a few times uh, in the early days, has written that uh, Graham Arnold's in deep consideration as to whether he will go for a high-profile guest player, which will be at the forefront of their push or an ambitious and audacious membership and attendance bush next season. One of the areas that I think Sydney FC can improve is in, is in the attendances they get at their games. Mm. Uh, they very much are, uh, despite the fact that they are the bling and uh, mm. you know, the, the championship team, in terms of attendances, their cross-city rivals well, There, there would have been a lot down. of
1: people that filled that grand final that were theatre-goers, that were just there to see a grand final. That uh, No, I that, think they've got a lot of... No, no, no. no, so no, 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 no my, that's, my point is that that there's a lot of people who would have been casual supporters there that night that saw a, a wonderful experience. And you're right, the COVID, as good as any in terms of supporting, and then the, you know the the general supporter yeah. base. Of well, I, I can, but I'm talking about that extra group of people that are going to fill the joint. More
2: well, more I, think you,
3: I think you're right there, Rob. I mean, they don't get those crowds week in, week out. Mm. But if they were to play the football they have all season Mm. i mean you can't get a better season than that then they come to a spectacle as you say the theater goers have Mm. now gone and the atmosphere it wasn't just the cove the Cove started Mm. it all Mm. then both sides were absolutely up into the neck in it and then you've got victory down the other end which did an unbelievable job to stay with them with you know Mm. a third of really what everybody else had Mm. it was an unbelievable it's the loudest ever I've been there in that stadium I've been to a few full houses there at different events but that's the loudest by far
2: and insiders saying that Scott Barlow the the chairman has pretty much put it on the coach and said "Uh, look uh, what do you reckon about a a high profile guest player because we want to fill the stadium we want to generate more commercial revenue off the back of winning the championship so I understand they're contemplating that but while they're contemplating that the big boy Your favourite player? Bobo. Exactly. He's back in town. He's going to stay in Sydney. He's going to improve his English over the summer. That's Mm -hmm. the male. And... uh he will uh, obviously um, lead the line again next year, the big man, because he is a big man, and I love the way he plays. Um, he's not like Mark Viduka at all, but there is a bit of Viduka about him.
3: When you watched him in the FFA Cup, when he first came out, I think they played over in Perth. I yeah, don't forget blowing, it. Wasn't he? And he was blowing and he was thinking, <laughs> you're thinking, oh, this is a big what, you know, for somebody like you know, they got like him, fit, him. Though, didn't they? But they got him fit. Um,
2: Fifteen goals, Dino.
3: Look, he is Super. a really good footballer. His family, mm. and obviously we've got mm. a little bit of inside knowledge there. The family really love it in Sydney. They want to stay. There's opportunities for him to go to different places in the world, but he really wants to be in Sydney, play for Sydney FC. So I think it's uh, one of those relationships that from time to time you get, you go there and you think, I love yeah. this. This yeah. works for me. Well, if your family are family. happy,
2: then, then Absolutely. it's a great start. I know we, we've just gone through this a little bit in the first hour, but let's just uh, reflect on a couple of um, movements uh, at the station. Wellington Phoenix have let go of Glenn Moss, He's joined Newcastle Jets, Jets
3: yeah. which they're is very interesting. Busy. Yeah, they are very, very busy. They are very, and very, very busy.
2: And also Perth Glory. I think this is a major That's announcement. A yeah. This is a ripper. That uh, the Spanish star Diego Castro. He's a gun, this fella, oh, and he's, he's staying just, in Perth and good on yeah, him. It, and,
1: uh, I, it just brings excitement to his teammates, doesn't he? Because they know that he's going to do something magnificent. And those the, those those journeyman players around him seem to just play with a, an extra spring in their step, don't yeah, they?
3: Yeah, they do. Look, I mean, when you've got good players around you, it, it makes such a difference. And you know they've got quite a few. But for me, Diego. Is definitely uh, Castro is definitely the, uh, the well heart to the team. Yeah, and
2: we shouldn't uh, go from this little uh, little segment without saying well done to Western Sydney Wanderers. So he must be smarting because mm. the Crosstown town rivals are getting all the mm. all the news, all mm. the accolades. But they've made three big announcements: uh, Roly Bonavartia from Wellington Phoenix, yeah. who I do rate. I, I do, do as well. Like Josh yep. Riston who's a Socceroo and uh, yeah, like a talent. Yeah, like and Michael Thwait, who has been yeah. lost to football in the last uh, ten months or so. They've all signed at Western Sydney. They're three good additions that will improve their squad Mm -hmm. and I think that's good work.
3: And uh, as we know uh, with Popper, he does like to turn them over and he does it each and every year, but they're always relatively at the pointy end most, uh, most seasons. Yeah, well
1: hats off to Popper as well because they had a shocking start to the season. They and did. They <laughs> rattled home really well to, to, to Resurrected, um, so good luck to the Wanderers next year. Boys, stick around. Uh, we're going to talk to Jim Mametti next. We're all going to have a chat to him because he's a mate of yours as well, Dino. You worked out at uh, Dandenong for a while. He's the Mayor of Dandy Nong and we want to hear about...
2: I'm excited the... about this. I've got to say up front, I I'm excited about yeah. He's a nice guy, Jim. They've yeah, like got a long way to go. Haven't said that. The, yeah. They've got a long
1: way to go, but I'm excited. But he's a genuine football be man. Care. Okay, we'll stick around. Jim Mamedi from Dandenong, next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The chemist warehouse.
0: Home of real brands and real savings. And storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all.
1: Now, a couple of weeks ago, Dandenong Mayor Jim Mamedi joined a City of Casey Mayor, Sam Aziz and Cardinia's. Brett Owen to formalise a working alliance that has been months in the planning to become Team 11 in the A-League to talk to us all about it. Welcome to Box to Box, Jim. Good evening. Now, Jim, uh, we're a national program and uh, we're going to be going, uh, obviously, to markets who are not familiar with uh, the, the, uh, the massive corridor of, uh, of population and, uh, and football nursery that is um, the southeast of Melbourne. So for those people who are unfamiliar, can you just give us a little background in terms of the, just the, the vast size of population and football support there is in your area?
6: OK, the southeast uh, Melbourne is actually 26 kilometres away from uh, Melbourne CBD. Uh, the southeast represents about 1.2 million people, and uh, we're a, a growing community, and that number's only going to grow in, in future years.
1: And it's a massive multicultural area as well, with a, a real passion for the world game.
6: Indeed. Uh, the city of Greater Dandenong is actually the most multicultural city in Victoria. We have over 160 different nationalities, and... Um, they love the game of
2: football. Absolutely, they love the game of football. Um, Jim, what's been really interesting about the entire um, discussion around A-League expansion is, has really been the FFA's lack of appetite. And in that vacuum, uh, there's been some remarkable stories and remarkable bids and remarkable um, initiatives come out of uh, all parts of Australia, Tasmania, uh, New South Wales, and and in Victoria. Obviously, we have the Victoria Patriots Consortium out of uh, the, the Geelong and, and, and western part of uh, Victoria. But your, um, your little project has uh, a great uh, level of interest for a lot of people because of what you described. Uh, the, 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 the city of Dandenong um, and surrounding areas are incredibly uh, diverse in its, uh, in its cultural backgrounds, but there's one uh, common denominator there, the number one sport for all of those communities is football or soccer. So how serious is your initiative? And can you pull together everything that's required to get this thing up? Stadia, um, finance, you know, where, where exactly are you at with it?
6: We're very serious. Um, it's the Mayor of uh, Casey and the Mayor of Cardinia Shire and myself, so the three councils got together to sign a memorandum of understanding to be able to work together and work out where would be the training facilities, where would we want to build the stadium. And what we came out of it was that we consulted with uh, the 32 uh, football clubs we had within the three uh, councils. We have actually about 5,000 players that are registered uh, playing football, and we have about 20,000 uh, recreation participants who play football during the week or on weekends. And uh, we decided that uh, Casey Fields would be... Uh, the training facility um which is in Casey and uh, we decided that uh, to, have to build the stadium in Dandenong and and the the the, the location we've decided to have it in is actually the Dandenong showgrounds which is approximately about seven to 800 meters away from the train station we're also flanked by two major freeways the uh, Eastland and the Monash freeway so uh we believe that uh, we've, we've done a lot of work, a lot of groundwork. We've already started talking to uh, a few investors on how, how it will work. And uh, we've come together saying that we, we would probably have an investor that would probably own 49% of the club, but then the other 51% will be a majority of small uh, shareholders, the uh, clubs if they are interested. Uh, but just making sure that uh, this game is not forgotten and the area's not forgotten, and the council and community clubs who will support it. We've had consultation with them all. They all want to be part of it. And uh, there's nothing out here in the South East, like we said before, there's 1.2 million population mm. hungry to be part of something, and we believe that we have uh, the right location, uh, easy access to the facilities, and the people are just football-hungry in this area.
2: Now, for the people that are around Australia that are not familiar with long um, like uh, the people in the studio here are, because we all live and breathe in Melbourne, um, the best way that I would describe it is that it could be an absolute mirror of a success like a Western yeah. Sydney Wanderers. Yeah. I mean, we shouldn't yeah. underestimate the the popularity of the sport in the southeast, in these new emerging communities. And uh, and I think that uh, you're onto something. But what about the stadium? I think that that's the biggest question. I think the the location being the showgrounds, knowing it as I do, close to the, the station, it is absolutely uh, a magic in, ingredient. There's no question about that it would be a brilliant uh, place to build it. But what about the stadium? You're going to need state government support, I'd imagine. So how far down the track are you with it?
6: We've actually um, uh, engaged with uh, the local politicians and hopefully they're going to be able to speak uh, to the Premier and possibly the Prime Minister for future funding. But we're also speaking to uh, investors who could possibly build the stadium in their own right. But um, we're still in early stages talking with those investors and we're fully supported by the local politicians, the local member for Damien on Gabriel Williams, the South East Metropolitan Region, Adam Somerak. They're all on board. They believe that... Uh, And also our federal politicians who actually met with the FFA last week uh, and now the FFA is coming to speak to us uh, next week so uh, we're really serious, we're talking to the government, we're talking to the Mm -hmm. right people, we've got investors knocking on our door, I don't think that's going to be a problem. Um, We're thinking of trying to get to build a a purposely built rectangular stadium uh, to be a minimum of between 15 and 20,000 seats for now but with the potential to grow to 40,000. We believe that. Um, a 40,000 stadium would be perfect for the area. And it could also possibly house uh, uh, the, the, the Socceroos in the future. So building a 40,000-seat stadium would suit us uh, well. But initially, we're more than happy to start with a 15 to 20,000-seat uh, stadium.
1: This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport We're talking to Mayor of Dandenong, Jing Mameti About the, uh, the, p- the push for the uh, South East Melbourne Corridor To uh, to become the 11th club or one of the expansion clubs in the A-League Now you've got a pretty high profile ambassador in uh, Jim Vince Grella uh, On board he was there at the announcement um, he's, uh, he's a native of Keysborough, which is uh, right in the heartland of the area And, uh, and Vince is, uh, is a huge backer of this project Absolutely.
6: Uh, I met Vince uh, a few months ago. Uh, he, he had heard that uh, we were interested in attracting an A-league club uh, in the south-east Melbourne and um, I met him over a cup of coffee and Vince uh, told me that he was a, a local boy, lived in Keysborough, not far away from where we want to build the stadium and he's had a, a fantastic career and he said that he, he, he'd always known in his heart that this area would, would make a fantastic area to have an A-league club and he threw his support uh, 100% behind us, and he said he'll be able to do anything we, we, we want of him. And um, Vince uh, actually lives in, in, in Florence, in Italy, so he does he does fly back to Australia approximately about six times a year, so we'll be working around Vince. And he's so passionate about it uh, that he's become our, our, our ambassador. And uh, there's so many other players like Vince who... Uh, have just grown up in this area and uh, have made it to play for the Socceroos and uh, we've had so many representatives that have played for Australia and many that have played in the A league and many that have gone on to play uh, overseas as well so it's a breeding uh, ground for fantastic footballers as well
3: Jim, it's Dean here obviously I've, uh, I've had the privilege of working with you uh, in the 2014 season when I was at Dandenong Thunder and I know you used to attend not not in, just not all the games, even away games. And it was really supportive of somebody who, obviously, that was our jurisdiction. You know the commitment from the, the Casey and the Cardinia. Are they in the very same mindset that you have?
6: Yes, they are. And um, we've actually consulted with their football clubs as well, Dean. Uh, the city of Greater Dandong, as you know, has uh, the most uh, football clubs in, in any municipality, which is 17. But uh, we also have 15 clubs within uh, Casey and Cardinia. And we also invited them to the MOU, which was the Round Run Signings. And
3: uh,
6: a lot of those clubs were represented at that day. And uh, they're, they're all on board. And, and they believe that this is their club. This is the area. This is their time. And they're all speaking. That's Team 11. So uh, Danielong, Katie and Cardinia are all ready to go.
3: Now, obviously, we're all, we're all in the same mindset at the moment where we've got a 10... Uh, Team A-League isn't sufficient enough And obviously the expansion isn't really clear now Does it go to 11, 12, then 14, 16 So there's a lot of, there's more questions and answers But if, let's say for argument's sake You weren't successful in your first bid Are you going to go for the long distance to get into that A-League Or something similar in the future as a a group?
6: And that's what we've spoken So if if, if we do miss out, which we don't want to miss out we, We think that we're the right fit but um, we, we would be looking at uh, having a W uh, League team, and also youth teams as well. So we, we just want to make sure that we're ready when we're given the opportunity. So uh, uh, if we're if we're not Team 11, we want to be Team 12, 13. But we do believe that we have something to offer to the A League. We have the population. Uh, we have we have the the, the football community telling us. Uh, the clubs are telling us. Uh, everyone's telling us that this needs. Uh, Something needs to happen in the south-east. Uh, 1.2 million. We don't have any AFL grounds. We don't... You know, Mm. so we do need something at a professional level. And this area really loves football. So Mm. we believe football uh, needs to come to us because we're already here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's just a massive opportunity, and, uh, and look, no matter what happens in the next um, several years, the uh, look provided that the FFA can get on board with this and, and harness the enthusiasm and interest that there are uh, amongst consortiums like yourselves, then uh, you know there is a, a really bright future for the A League. And as you say, there's no no uh, uh, AFL team situated out in uh, in the southeast. Admittedly, there's plenty of AFL supporters, but but a team that that area can be proud of. Uh, it's uh, it's just um, Pandora's box waiting to open, Jim, and we wish you all the best with it on Box to Box.
6: Thank you very much. Appreciate the time.
1: Not at all, mate. After the break, stick around, because Dino is going to go to the other side of the world, and we're going to talk all the international news, and there is plenty. Next on Box to Box. Box
0: to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse, Home of real brands and real savings. And storage gear. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of
1: all. Yes, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio, streaming on... Uh, Tune in radio, radio app, any app you like for that
2: matter. There's heaps of apps. Or you could be listening to work. us on the podcast via boxtoboxnts.com.au, where incredible. you can listen to all the podcasts and your finest work, Rob. Exactly, <laughs> and your
1: finest work too, and Dean's and Nigel's great button work, and even Mark when he's not here, he um, he listens and tunes in and wants to hear all that work. But you know, you could even listen in your Storage King. Uh, facility
2: your, your unit yes you that's right set yeah. it up like because digital cave. radio you can get it anywhere
1: absolutely or your app you can you can get it anywhere because they've got wi-fi down at storage king and uh, you know you could set up the man cave and then you could have a little section for the kids toys because you know they're growing up so fast you want uh, you know to pile some of their stuff in like the you know the kids cricket kick or, or the dollhouse
2: that uh, you know the little uh, daughter is overgrown and, uh, and you want to keep been a lot of discussion about housing affordability i mean hmm. really the storage king's the Storage King units, are quite a good option. Oh, they're absolutely fantastic because because uh, you, know, you want to downsize, you want to you or want to, or,
1: you, or you just, or exactly, you just want to stay in your own house, or you might want to live in it. Was that nice just popping in there just to, to give us a little observation <laughs> on uh, on things, or was uh, was that the, the the king of storage sort of wafting in through the studio? yeah this uh,
2: this time of the year, this time of the year uh, is fantastic because the A League's finished. We've had our our own domestic party. We've just got our little little looky looky ahead to the Confederations Cup. Germany's mm. announced their squad this year. Yeah, and, yeah uh, and, and, and and importantly, importantly, the European leagues are in their final version. I know they have, but I haven't finished talking about storage, keen oh, I'm going to had. do that. No, well,
1: we hadn't because we might be talking about storage for trophies, storage for, for uh, your ribbons or whatever
2: it is. Because I'll tell you, it's that, going to need some trophies, Real Madrid.
1: There's no space at your place. Get on down to Storage King. Go to storageking.com.au or call 1-800-STORAGE for your nearest store today.
2: Now, Edge, you were saying. I was saying that it's the European uh, glory time. Because our A League finishes, everyone thinks the football season's over domestically, but it's not. Because we've got Premier League winding up, we've got La Liga winding up, we've got Europa final coming up, we've got Champions League final up. But it's 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 just so good. Ever. And then we got Confederations Cup, so it's all happening. Mm. Dino, where do you want to start?
3: Well, I think we should start with uh, Manchester United, <laughs> and it's a it's basically a f- it's a fifty million pound. You call him
2: Jose, I call him Jose. Yeah. Well, Jose. You call him Jose B.
3: B. Well, it's fifty million. Pounds worth of uh, risk in this game that if they don't win, that's what they'll miss out in because they won't get to the Champions League.
2: You know, um, it's funny, isn't it, Dean? Um, some time, some only a few years ago, you know, Manchester United wouldn't have got out of bed for 50 million pounds, mm. but all of a sudden, it's a big headline. And well, I was
3: used to mock this when he was at Chelsea. He did, but it's the
1: only it's... trophy at uh, Old Trafford. Was it? Um... Ahead of the uh, the game against Ajax, I think the um, the the program had a, a puzzle. And the only trophy missing from the puzzle was the, uh, the UEFA Cup. So that's uh, another spin on the story that they're, they're running with. I like that.
3: think that the other thing as well is put the queue in there for the for the league program. You know, they're not going to finish in the top five. So if they were to finish uh, possibly seventh, that might get them into a Europa. But the bottom line is I think they're putting this all onto the Champions League.
1: Well, they're guaranteed six spots. So they're playing Europa no matter what next year. So this, this really is where it's all at. And out. they're
3: playing against a team, Ajax, who've just missed out on their domestic league to odd which we'll mm. touch on a little bit later Brad but Jones. full of a lot of good young players and uh, <clears throat> and the Peter Peter boss the manager has had an unbelievable season to take them to the Europa Cup final plus also go very very close in the league so look I don't think this is a, a gimme but I think it's really really important for man united to win and mm. you know get a trophy and it just starts potential dynasty at uh, at manchester united Neutral
1: territory in, in the your clubs, old backyard Sorry, in Wales?
3: it's In Sorry?
2: Neutral yeah. territory in Cardiff?
3: No, no, it's not Cardiff. This, oh, one. sorry, this one's Stock, yeah, Stockholm. This is Stockholm. Yeah, yeah, the next Champions one's going to be Cardiff. Cardiff. Yeah, so it's just Stockholm. just worth
2: noting that the Manchester United CFO, who made some quite interesting comments, reported in the paper that he basically said, in a normal year, United would expect to generate up to £50 million pounds by participating in the Champions League with their bonuses on sponsorship, basically, kit and major sponsorship stuff, yet it's only £20 million pounds in the Europa League. Wow. So that's what this game's about. Of course.
3: And then you know what? You put the two together. It's not. A, it's a quite a tidy sum for a club. you know. That, uh, now, obviously, the Premier League uh, coming to an end. Uh, unfortunately, you know, those really exciting times where it's all hanging on the last game. Unfortunately, we can't give you that this year. Chelsea champions and deserved champions um, with, obviously, Tottenham runner-up. So really, the real fight and the interest that comes into this last round on Sunday night
2: only really the, the two... Who finishes fourth?
3: Well, it does. It's There's Manchester City in third, and they have an interesting tie at Watford, who uh, apparently they are departing ways with their manager at Watford, which I thought I thought he'd done all right. I mean, I know he's kept uh, them he's in it.
2: It's a bit of a slide
3: towards yeah. him. Isn't mm. A little bit, but again, Watford, Watford aren't, you know, mm. they're not a big, big club. So again, you know, that's the price you pay. Liverpool in fourth, who I think are playing some really good football. They're playing Middlesbrough, so... There is a chance that, let's say, Manchester City do slip up with a draw just because Watford want to go out on a high Mm. and Liverpool were to win and win by two or three goals. Um, Then all of a sudden, goal difference would come into it. And because they're on the same goal scored, um, so if it was a three-goal cushion, then Liverpool would finish third. The other game that's of interest is Arsenal against a really, really in-form Everton. So they are at the... um, It's Arsenal, and and obviously they need to get this. And, and again, football is a funny thing. It's 75, 73, 72 points. So anything can happen on the last day. But I just can't see Liverpool not getting three points, and City and no. Arsenal. I'm not really sure. You expect them to get it, but yeah. you're never, never convinced.
2: And for our listeners around the, around the country, might not understand that there is merit payments in the Premier League, mm-hmm. which are extremely significant. So Each
3: position, yeah. whether
2: you finish 9th, 10th, 11th or 12th actually makes a big difference to these clubs. So uh, they're not dead rubbers. They're actually no. uh, quite significant games. And if you look at... Uh, we had, uh, obviously, Rob Tanner on mm. earlier, and Rob talked about Leicester could finish as high as eighth. Yeah, yeah. There'll be quite a bit of motivation around that because that is quite a significant... Uh, difference in the merit payment uh, where they finish on the table. So that's uh, interesting, and there's a big log jam there in the middle.
3: Can I just also add, Hull City, Middlesbrough, Sunderland, unfortunately weren't good enough. They've gone down, so they're, they're going to have to rebuild now. But special. Uh, they're
2: looking for some storage king action. They
3: will yes. be, but yes. Swansea City manager Paul Clement did an unbelievable job yeah. coming in uh, the bop, in a, a really, ride really, ride really T-mine. bad time yeah, yeah. Yeah. and steered them clear as well as... Big Sam.
2: Big yeah. Sammy. Look, I mean... Big it, Sam. Not, and just if we reflect on that a moment, Big Sam could finish as high as 11th.
3: That's it. And that's Big <laughs> Sam to a tee. So, so, so
2: Dino, before we move away from yeah. the Premier League, who would
1: you back of Hull, Middlesbrough and Sunderland to, to bounce back up um, next season? None. None. Mm, that's not good news, is None.
2: it? It's too, it's too tough, the championship. There'll be... Mm.
1: I well, mean, Brighton's a good example. St- Steve, Steve Brighton Gibson's.
2: Was, Brighton always was been on the bold. precipice for yeah. uh, for a number of, It takes a, a number of years of consistency. No, well, for well football Newcastle getting. did it. But yeah. they've spent their, and big. They've spent the most, most amount of
3: money in the championship too. anybody ever mm-hmm. has. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's money in merit. And but, but that's
1: it on the flip side Villa, um, Norwich City. um, Yeah, Birmingham, of course. Um, Fulham uh, nearly did it. They've been out for Mm. two, three years now.
3: Yeah, and it's hard. It's it's hard to get back. Now, obviously, the championship is really going to come to a close in a week and a bit's time now. So uh, we'll just touch on that Huddersfield Town and obviously Reading have made the playoff final. Mm -hmm. So they will join, uh, obviously, Newcastle and Brighton in being promoted, whoever wins that game. Uh, The games were all played during the week since last week's show. So uh, Sheffield Wednesday... um, Sorry, Fulham and Reading started off 1-1 and also a 0-0 draw at Huddersfield. Uh, Apparently that's where Pep Guardiola was and watched. And then on the Tuesday, uh, Reading beat Fulham 1-0 and Sheffield Wednesday were at home to Huddersfield 1-1 in normal time. And then lost on penalties in a 4-3 shootout where Aaron Moy scored uh, the fourth goal. And uh, there was a young Welsh goalkeeper who was on loan from Liverpool, from, born in Wrexham, where I'm from, and uh, he saved uh, two unbelievable and penalties. Did you, did you <laughs> see
2: his response after he saved the yeah, penalty? It was fantastic. Because he sort of just he did the old statue for about 15 <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was and then long. and then it's like, did he? I was watching him. Does he know
3: he's won? He does.
2: He did. did. And then he just ran. He just ran. He's fast too, isn't he? He Saving his
3: best work for last. He
2: did. And then he got down the other end of the ground to where his fans were and uh, decided (laughs) to celebrate. But they have another game.
3: They do. They have a
2: big game against us already.
3: There's the big League One um, final. And again, this, this? this is Bradford City and Millwall now yeah, we
2: must reach out to uh, our mate James Meredith well,
3: James James we had James on the show when he got in the Australian side and uh, I coached James when he was a kid and know the family really well but anyway cut a long story short He then did tell us Off-Air, which would have been absolutely priceless, Mm -hmm. a story of when he last played at Millwall in the finals when they got knocked out last year. That's
2: right, and he was talking about what the Millwall fans were calling him. And let's let's say
3: you can't really, on a show like ours, describe the words that were used, but put it this way, he he was slaughtered in many, many ways, (laughs) and for a young Australian, most probably hadn't heard of half of the terms, but certainly what was funny about the story was that the referee knew that they were going to come on the pitch, Mm. said, look, as you take the goal kick kick it dead far towards the right but sprint to the left because we're going off quick and I won't blow the whistle so all of a sudden <laughs> the ball went out and obviously they all got in safe so look it's going to be an interesting final Millwall's had an unbelievable FFA, FA Cup I keep saying mm. FFA Cup because we're in Australia FA Cup run they got beat to Tottenham mm. as we know in the quarters um, Bradford have always had a good cup run so we, so this is really it's a cup game there so both mm. teams are quite geared
1: there's a lot of to, motion around Bradford as well, well known, You well know.
3: obviously with the fire I mean I remember that clear as day, one of my dad's uh, teammates as uh, a Welsh international, Terry Yorath, because mm-hmm. there was two Terry's in the Welsh mm-hmm. team. Uh, he was the manager at the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's a girl called Gabby Logan. I don't know if you've heard of her on uh, British sports. That's well, his daughter. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's really emotional it, that that. That was so sad, but then when Hillsborough happened, and Hillsborough seemed to overshadow and, it. Yeah, and for know? our
1: younger listeners, um, as you say, Hillsborough um, did appear to overshadow it. So it's the um, just past the 32nd anniversary of uh, of the disaster where um, 56 fans were killed, 54 Bradford fans and two Lincoln City supporters in a fire at uh, at the um, Bradford City home ground, Valley Parade, uh, all through a lit cigarette, a, a dropped um, cigarette, and um, it and, was. Uh, yeah, so there, a lot of emotion around this tie for for Bradford. But uh, but Millwall, uh, uh, yeah, plenty of uh, backstory to them as well.
3: Absolutely. Well, Mill look, Millwall are uh, um, they're well supported, uh, very passionately supported.
1: And uh, our, our, our great mate Kevin Musket, well, famously felt right at home at Millwall with their style. He did. Uh, he the, he did Timmy Cahill, football. did yes, Timmy, Timmy Cahill?
3: So he went to Evan, Millwall, yes. Millwall's been quite you know kind to our Australian contingent. So, so yeah, yeah. look, I think Lucas Neal. Yeah, Lucas mm-hmm. as well. But I think look, I think Bradford are going to win this. I have a feeling that they'll just be good enough. To get that, and that'd be an unbelievable opportunity for the. So they they, they would go on
2: to another game if they win this one.
3: No, no, this is it. This is, this this is, is it. it. This is it. They go to, they go to the Premier This the, is the last playoff game. This is the final. Wembley. Right,
2: so they'll go, this, they'll they'll go, go up the, to the Championship. The, uh, championship. Yeah, yeah okay. so,
3: and that's what James has always wanted, so good luck to James on that. So, moving now into the final areas of Europe. Uh, the two leagues that are finished, and this is an unbelievable story, this is Dirk Kite. I don't know if you remember Dirk. Mm-hmm. Dirk played for Holland and also Liverpool and uh, was there in some of their heydays. And... Uh, 36 years old um, went back for his last time his second stint at final promised them they'd win something in the two years he was there and sure enough scored a hat-trick in the last game of the season to Pip Ajax who play obviously Man United in that Europa Cup um, and and then retired three days after the after it was all done nice finish uh, he's, he's finished in style apparently he's going to be working in some capacity at the club but you know, great for final. Death. I don't think they'd won it. I think they said something. And what like about
2: the Australian s- connection? Sixteen Jones, years yeah. since
3: they. But Brad this- Jones
1: was sort of uh, wandering in his career for a little while. He was. Then, so it's good for him. Great, right, and he
3: and
2: uh, played. Uh, I think he played almost every game, other than a bar one suspension. But um, yeah. he, uh, fantastic performance by Brad and. Those track watchers or social media watchers, as I like to call them, um, would have seen some magnificent footage coming out of the Feyenoord camp um, of, of oh, the, not only the game but the what, dressing room scene the dressing room on, the scenes, yeah, on the moped. <laughs> uh, but, what, but what about what about also the, when they were presented in the Feyenoord square? Incredible.
3: Yeah, uh, it is. And, right. I, and I think for Brad, this no, this should really give him a claim now to really push on to try and get back into the Australian team. Mm.
1: Yeah, well, we need as many form players as we can. In the the, uh, the League One, uh, Monaco, Killing Mbappe. Uh, Wrapped it up for uh, for them
3: against Anetti the and yeah look that's a fabulous achievement especially with all of their cup ties that they've had in Europe you know getting to the Champions League semi-finals it, I think it's an outstanding performance mm. and 104 goals scored with 29 against I mean that says it all mm. 75 goal difference
1: and, and talk about burying the lead La Liga
3: well this is interesting Rob this this has got a bit to play like it's it's level on points uh, the goal difference is far far ahead in Barcelona's favour but. Real Madrid have a game in hand, and then it goes to the last game of the season. So they're all on 37 games. The game that they do play is against Celta Vigo, Mm. and obviously they had a bit of heartache... uh Last week, you know, because obviously they didn't make... Weren't
1: they gutted when they
3: lost? They were, weren't they? I mean, they had their little chances right at the very right end as well. Right at the last well.
1: kick of the game. So, that, so that, that, how
3: is the league? 87 points each. Amazing. Is, it's amazing, isn't it? You so, look, that's going to be interesting. Right? And then just fish, quickly, just to finish, obviously, congratulations to Juventus winning the, the Serie A. Rob's uh, Mob. From Roma mm-hmm. and Napoli. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, Pezann, uh, Permero, and uh, Colombi got relegated, and then in the German Bundesliga, Bayern Munich uh, by a landslide uh, to Leipzig, Borussia Dortmund, and Hof- Hoffenheim.
2: But um, we should shout out to Leipzig. What a what a season!
3: What a season! Yeah. What a season! It's been a long time since they were in those uh, those heights. It's
2: finished second, but and uh, the Australian connection at Ingolstadt. Uh, Matty Leckie couldn't keep his boys up they go down.
3: They yeah. do and that's uh, unfortunate so that's pretty well the European wrap. Well
2: that is a wrap Dino you covered See,
3: everything covered from everything. start everything. to
1: finish yeah. we'll stick around Dino because we're going to have uh, one more chat in, in stoppage time that's coming up next on Box to Box. Box to Box Can you believe it? The chemist warehouse.
0: Home of real brands and real savings.
1: And storage games.
0: They're just around the corner And this could be the most crucial goal of all
1: Back to box to box. Now the fourth official signals. There's just five minutes left in the show. What have we got left, boys?
2: Still score plenty of goals in five minutes. Absolutely. Hey, um, Storage King. Do you think when you go to Storage King, sometimes you put you look at you look at a piece of. Uh, um, something you own and you think, well, yeah. I should get rid of that, but you're not you've got some sort of sentimental attachment to it, so you stick it at Storage King. Is, yeah, that, it, is that fair?
1: Yeah, I mate, I'm a, the hoarder of all hoarders, mate. I've got well, to Would you reckon of the that that Central
2: I... Coast mariners might want to put Scott Galloway at Storage King. He's <laughs> he's they sort of probably should get rid of him but there may might be some sentimentality about it because yeah. they've released they've given him permission to trial at uh, Willem II in the Netherlands. And uh, I'm just thinking, does he qualify for that sort of storage? Do you reckon you'd be allowed to smoke in their stadium? I reckon you might. Willem too.
3: <laughs> That's right. Well, it's so, in, it is interesting with Scott that. Gullaby, that yeah. He was a young
2: socceroo. He was, and, yeah. um, A lot of promise to Melbourne Victory, but hasn't uh, really delivered no, has it. No, he
3: hasn't really. you know, so, and, and especially in big games, I thought at times he did struggle, against, especially against really good quality you know, opposition. But talking of um, Storage and Storage King, uh, there's an old player that when I was a kid in 1977, <laughs> yes. there was a boy called David Fairclough, And David Fairclough played for Liverpool and he was called Super Sub. And he had a shirt... <laughs> And put it in a I've bread box. few players have right? been called super he, sub over the No, but he now. was the he was the first. Brendan Santellab. No, no, Brendan Santellab's <laughs> nowhere near this boy. <laughs> okay. With all due respect, Brendan. Uh, but he put his shirt in a bread box and then found it and has <laughs> raised bread box. He's now 60 years old. He's raised imagine ten, the crumbs. Ten thousand exactly. Ten thousand pounds. It got it went for. And his claim to fame was in the year when Liverpool won in 1977 mm. under Bill Shankly. Mm-hmm. He, the great um, Bill Shankly. The great Bill Shankly. He um, actually, he scored the winner in the quarterfinal coming on a super sub that kept them in the game. I think it was against mm. Dresden. Now, his record, and this is an incredible record, he scored 55 go- goals during his Anfield career, including 37 from 92 starts, but 18 out of 62... <laughs> So if you bring him on, every third game he was going to score something for you. So I just thought that was a little light one that, you know, we were talking about storage and why, why he stored and his
2: shirt. Rob, a uh, question without notice. i uh-huh. will see how good you are. Can you recite that famous Bill Shankly quote? Hmm. We will fight them on the
3: beaches. No, no, no. <laughs> football football <laughs> that, is... That was Winnie. Oh, of course. <laughs> that was Winnie. I will be back. <laughs> football
2: is no. not a matter of... Life and death. It's more important than that. It's much than that. Okay, well,
1: since you're asking me questions without notice, um, Huddersfield Town have something in common with Arsenal, Liverpool, and Manchester United. What is it? I gave you an easy one. Have you got any clues? It's going to be tough. Well, look, they're the only four teams to have done something in the top flight.
3: Tick, tick. Got no idea. no idea. No Won
1: it three times in a row. There you go.
3: That. Oh, wow. Well, in uh,
1: 1926, Huddersfield became the first English team to win three successive league titles, a feat that only three other clubs have been
2: able to match. When was LA? the last time Huddersfield Town was in the top haven't five? Haven't been in the Premier
3: Yeah, they haven't been in the Premier
2: League. 19, was it... 40, it's been 45, 45 years, 45
3: years. years, yeah, years long since time. they've
2: been in the top yeah, five. Yeah, and, and they... Go Aaron Moore. You make some old people very happy, couldn't he? He did, I mean, how he good does. would that be? Oh, it's a good story. Least... The Terriers, it's a good nickname too.
3: Now, I, I'm, Against I'm,
2: the Royal. Do they do a bit
3: of woof-woof-woof <laughs> over there or what? Now, on a little bit more I think do, actually. on a little bit more of a serious note, we've always uh, we've been talking about this a little while on the show, and uh, yeah. it's not, never really an easy thing to talk about. But the child sex offences in England, and uh, there's one particular guy there, Barry Bennell, who appeared in court again this week. Uh, the 63-year-old has got 21 fresh new charges made against him. Uh, he was a, a manager that started off at uh, Youth Alexander in their youth program um it's going to go to court um the new charges are against four boys under the age of 14 and 16 have taken place allegedly in between 1983 and 1991. He also worked at Manchester City, Stoke City and obviously we've mentioned Crew. We don't know a lot more of that but we will keep you posted because we promised we would on the show. These are always the tough ones on box to box but I think it's important because if this does go even further I think this again is part of opening Pandora's box which is not what we really want to hear.
1: Yeah it sure is and and as you say mate it's um, it's, uh, part of the murky underbelly of of the world let alone football and uh it's uh, beholden on us to uh, to shine a light on it when uh, these stories come up because uh, it could have been, what do they say there, but the grace of God because uh, uh, it could have been any of us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, boys. Well, look, what a a great show tonight. Um, We missed Marco. Um, We hope he gets well and back next week. But um, but what a ripper. China, China, Uh, Donald (laughs) Trump. So that is full time, of course, on Box to Box. Join us next week when we go Robbie Cruz and China. Yeah, well, hopefully he'll be back in the A League uh, in the World Game because uh, you know Donald Trump might not be here. He's too busy building his wall to keep the Mexicans out. Robbie Cruz can come over, jump over that China. Tell his stories about China. See you next week on Box to Box.